Please turn your Bibles to 1 John chapter 5. As I said to you last week, we are coming to a conclusion with this incredible epistle. Uh, let me just read some of my notes to get us going. Uh, we, we come now to the last four verses of this incredible epistle as the Apostle John brings it all to a majestic close by summarizing, emphasizing, and reiterating the three great certainties of the Christian faith in relation to sin, our divine origin, and the truth about Jesus Christ. Now, this is tremendous. With the use of the words, we know. The Apostle John has been teaching us all the way, and now he's bringing this to a close, and he says, by this time, you should be in the place where you know. All, all the, all, you know, for the entire epistle, he has been convincing us of things. Amen? And he's been reiterating things, and he's been just getting us to a place where we're standing firm in our faith. And he's saying, all right, after everything I've said to you, you should be a place where you know now. You shouldn't be going, hmm, I wonder. <laughs> okay? That's for the other guy. All right? <laughs> You've been here. You've been listening to this. You need to be in a place where you know. And remember that I said this to you before, that... You know, the whole key to the Christian life is if you can believe, all things are possible. These signs will follow those who believe in my name. Okay? And he goes on to list all sorts of things. And this, you know, this keeps coming back over and over again. And this is really what my job is. My job is to get you to the place where you believe. You know, other people get you to the place where you are confused and you don't know what to believe, <laughs> okay? But, you know, that, that's the reason why I said if anything comes to steal your faith, back away from it. I don't care how theologically sound it sounds. Y'all get that? Sorry. Okay? <laughs> uh, the, the bottom line is everything that God came to reveal to us was to get us to the place where, number one, we trust Him. Did you all get that? That we know that he is the giver of every good and perfect gift. That we don't have to look over our shoulder and think, oh gosh, I wonder what God's going to do to me today. But we know that what Jesus said, when, you know, we know what Jesus meant when he said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and God is not a thief. He's not going to sneak up on you and beat you over the head. <laughs> okay? He said, I have come to give you life. And when he said, I, he meant God. Because he said, I do everything that I see God doing, the Father doing. Okay, remember Jesus is God as well. That's right. And so when he said, I have come to give you life and life more abundantly, he was, he was literally saying that that is the Father's will for your life. Right. And the way that you receive everything from God is by faith. And faith requires you to know. Which circles back to where we were. <laughs> okay? All right. So let's continue on. And this is the reason why the Apostle John needs you to know. And why he says so strongly, we know. So let's read. Hallelujah. Verses 18 uh, through 20. I'm going to uh, sh stop short at verse 18 because I want you to get the flow of what he's saying here. Beginning in verse 18, the first part he says, We know that whoever is born of God does not sin. Because people were trying to uh, uh, convince them that, oh, you know, 
there is sin in your life and it is a kind of sin that separates you from God to the place where God doesn't have anything to do with you. Remember that, you know, the Apostle John himself said, if we confess or acknowledge our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness and not throw us out the door. The first time we make a mistake and say, I'm disowning you. I'm a righteous and holy and perfect God and you're not. So, <laughs> okay, that, some preachers preach it, but that's not how God is. Can I get an amen on that? Okay, he loves you. He has done everything for God so loved the world. Do you all know what that means? Everybody good and everybody really bad. <laughs> okay, I mean, he so loved everybody. Your worst enemy. The person that has done the most despicable thing. He loved. I mean, he so loved that he gave. Do you all understand? So he's not, in a, you know, he's not looking for reasons and ways to throw you out. He's looking for every way to pull you in. Amen. Amen. And that's the reason why the Apostle John is saying, first of all, he says, we know that whoever is born of God does not sin. Not in the way that he was talking about. Not in the kind of sin that he, remember, he equated to the devil and his rebellion against God. You'll never do that. You may get mad with God, but you'll never rebel against him and his throne. <laughs> okay? I can guarantee you that much. Which is what he's saying. Second, he says, we know that we are of God. I'm just going to stop there for a minute. So first he says, we know that whoever is born of God does not sin. Then he says, we know that we are of God. There's no question about that. And then the third thing he says, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we know, uh, we may know him who is true. So these are all that we know. I will talk about all this, okay? This is the whole point of being here. We will go through these verses. I want to get through verse 18 today, if I can. Is that okay? All right, there's so much here. In his commentary, I, Howard Marshall explains uh, what the Apostle John means when he says, we know by saying that the Greek word which he uses expresses a state of knowledge rather than the action of coming to know something. Do you all get the difference? So there's a difference between you getting to know something and you absolutely knowing something. You are established in something. Let me give you an example. Do you know what your name is? Do I need to come and convince you about what your name is? If I do, we got problems. <laughs> okay, all right, okay. All right. You know, when you hear your name, you look up. You know that's your name. You don't stand there and go, hmm, he said Natasha. I wonder if that's me. Hmm. <laughs> no. If I say Natasha, she'll go, yes. <laughs> well, she's respectful. She'll go, yes, Pastor. Okay. She'll straight away, do you know, she's <laughs> she she will respond because she knows. That's her name. Joe, with me? We need to get to the same place where we know in the same way that we can trust God that when we believe all things are possible, that it is a doorway to everything in God. We just need to know some things. Amen? In that same way. All right. So let's move on. So again, he says, the Greek word which, I'll, I'll repeat it so you get this now, the Greek word which he uses expresses a state of knowledge rather than the action of coming to know something. John is declaring what he and his fellow Christians know for certain. And his readers should be able to include themselves in the number of those 
whose Christian faith is a matter of certainty and assurance. So let me re repeat that. So again, John is declaring what he and his fellow Christians know for certain. So again, this is not guessing. This is not we hope. This is we know. Okay? And he said not only himself, but everybody with him. See, that's my job here is not just for me to know something, but for you to know it with me. Amen? It is when you know something, that's when you act. When you're unsure, you back off. You know, a lot of people say, well, you know, uh, if you know God's will, why don't you do something? Because you know what? It, at, at the root of all of that, sometimes we don't exactly know that we know. We think, what if we're wrong? There's not a real knowing there. You know, I just, I feel like if God turned up, okay, your bush caught on fire, okay, this little plant caught on fire, and God says, I'll, I'll start with Natasha, let me just continue with her. Actually, no, I'll go to Christina. And, 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 and this burning bush says, Christina. And she goes, Hoo, yes, Lord. And he says, I want you to dot, dot, dot. What are the dots? Are, okay. <laughs> and she, you know what? I mean, as soon as it stops burning, she'll be out the door and doing whatever God told her to do. Do you know why? Because God was there. She knows. Are you all with me? Now, if she's in prayer and she gets something, there was no burning bush, you know. And she thinks, now, was that me or was that God? This is where our problem is. And fair enough, because sometimes the devil jumps in there and starts leading us astray. That's why, you know, before you go into prayer, just pray and say, God, it is only your voice that I will hear. I hear the voice of the good shepherd and, you know, the other I will not hear. Amen? And so, you know, that's, that's our walk of faith. That's why we walk by faith and not by sight or sound, <laughs> okay? Uh, it is a faith walk. And that's where you can ask God to give you maybe some kind of a sign to let you know that you're on the right track. You say, well, that's Gideon's fleece. Will we get fleece? No, no, no. Not in this way, okay? <laughs> you're not asking God to prove himself. You're asking God to let you know that you heard him right. Do you see the difference? Amen? Remember, there's a difference between... Mary's, uh, you know, how is this going to be, and Zechariah's, how is this going to be? We want the Mary's, how it's going to be, and then you get an answer. You do a Zechariah, and you'll sh no, no, it's not, it won't end well, let me just say that. Okay, so, <laughs> Here, again, John is declaring what he and his fellow Christians know. That's all of you now, okay? Know for certain, and his readers should be able to include themselves in the number of those, those whose Christian faith is a matter of certainty, and assurance. Your Christian faith is a matter of certainty and assurance. Don't let anything or anyone come in there and, and erode it away. Amen? Let's continue. With this insight and understanding, let's take a closer look at each of these verses, beginning in verse 18. With the first great certainty of the Christian faith, and that is we know that whoever is born of God does not sin. Now, I like the New Living Translation. It's a little clearer when it says, we know that those who have become part of God's family or are literally born of God do not make a practice of sinning. Did you all get that? Okay, that's, I think that's a bit clearer because, you know, we all mess up. And whoever doesn't put their hand up is a liar and I'll pray for you later. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So, no, listen, we do. I mean, in thought, in word, in deed, somewhere... Well, you've never heard me say that. Yeah, but I, you could have thought it. We, <laughs> okay, we don't know. Just saying that we are, 
None of us are without sin. That's why I really love 1 John 1, 9, that the Apostle John includes himself and he says, if we. I mean, that guy they could not kill. And he still includes himself in that if we confess our sin. Praise God. Amen. So like I said to you before, God's not looking for perfect Christians, looking for honest ones. Just be honest. Listen, be honest and you'll be perfect in his sight. Because when you're honest, you confess or acknowledge your sin. He is faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness, which returns you back to a place of perfect righteousness, which means you stand perfect before him. Get it? Honesty leads to perfection. Your own, you know, thinking that you are perfect leads to all kinds of other sins, including pride, which is where the devil fell. So don't go there. Moving on. In his commentary, Simon J. Kissimaka says that except for a minor variation in wording, the first part of this sentence is virtually identical to that of 1 John 3, 9, which states no one who is born of God will continue to sin. Remember that? Amen? Notice again he says continue to sin. It means that, you know, we all have struggles. We all fall now and then. But the thing is that it is not our heart to do that. It is not our heart to just be in rebellion before God all the time and just ruin our lives. That's, you know, even the person, even the most carnal Christian that is doing that has regret. Do you know what a carnal Christian is? Miserable. (laughs) You know, it's one thing, man, to not have God on the inside of you and be doing the wrong thing and have God on the outside saying you shouldn't be doing that. This is the world, okay? I mean, it's terrible. It's worse that when you have God on the inside. You know, that way you stick your fingers in your ears and he gets louder. Because all you've done is shut off all the outside noise. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? I mean, there's nowhere to run. Remember Jonah? How can you run from God? Especially if he's on the inside and even then God was on the outside. Today we are born again and we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. He lives on the inside. Amen? Nowhere to run. So, (coughs) uh, let's continue. He repeats the thought by putting the words we know at the beginning. That is, he tells the readers that the person who has his origin in God, notice, his origin in God, okay, does not keep on sinning without repentance. I, I really like that. We, we may sin, and we, we probably will sin. And I don't want to pro, you know, prophesy that over you, okay? Or confess that over you. But I'm just saying that is a fact of life, okay? The thing is that it will always be with repentance. You know, as soon as you find out, we, we, you know, because the Holy Spirit works on our heart. He's making us softer and, you know, bringing us to a place where we, are, we become easily touched with the infirmities of those around us. And if we ever think that we've hurt someone, it really weighs on us. Are you all with me? Because that love of God begins to build on the inside of us. And, you know, we don't want to hurt anybody on purpose. Can I get an amen on that? And so, we're, we, you know, we always ask God to forgive us. Wherever we go wrong, we might have a spat and we might go fly off the handle. But at the other end, we don't stay flying off the handle. We land and we go, what did I do? I'm so sorry, God. Help me to be better next time. Amen? And that's what you pray. Don't ever say, God, I, I promise you I'll never do that again. See, now you're lying. <laughs> do you hear what I said? Okay, don't, you know, don't try to, because that's the way to fail straight away. Don't ever say that you're never going to do it. Your heart is to never to do it. 
Do you understand the difference? But be careful that you don't commit yourself to something that then the devil can use against you. When you slip up, instead of doing what 1 John 1, 9 says, you go, well, I promised God, and look what I went and did. I don't deserve to be. And that's the devil sitting on your shoulder telling you all of that. So don't allow him that access to your life. Amen? I'm moving on. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. This goes back to what the Apostle John said. Actually, no, I didn't finish this quote. There's a tiny little bit left. But I need to read the, the first part to, to finish it. So again, the, that is, he tells the readers again that the person who has his origin in God does not keep on sinning without repentance. A child of God may sin, but his or her normal condition is one of resistance to sin. Amen? Normal condition is resistance to sin. This is a well-known principle, and this is what he says, we know this. Oh, getting now, are you getting this now? That's what he means when he says, uh, again in, in 1 John 5.18, we know that whoever is born of God does not sin. And that's what's in that verse now. He's saying it will never be that you sin without repenting. Did you all get that? Amen? And that your normal condition is resistance to sin. So this goes back to what the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 2.10. And that is we are God's workmanship. We are God's workmanship. You know, this is a verse that you really need to get revelation on. We are God's workmanship. Oh, yeah, but I got some bad genes. Hang on, hang on. That was before you were saved, <laughs> okay? Your whole wardrobe went out when you got saved. Those genes got sold. I mean, they were just burnt. There is a new creation on the inside of you. You are now God's workmanship. Notice it says, created in Christ Jesus to do just ordinary, average, okay works. Is not what it says. You weren't born again to be average. Did you all hear me? You were recreated to do something extraordinary with your life. You mean I'm going to build a space shuttle that will take people to the moon? Hey, you know, that will only help like six people. No, we're talking about you doing something that will bless everybody around you. Amen. In, you, know, you know, thank God somebody, you know, made a car, made a tripod, made a chair. I mean a chair. I mean, gee, that doesn't have much glory. But we all sit on it. Thank God. You know, I mean, listen, that's extraordinary. Ordinary things are extraordinary when they come from God and when they do something that blesses everyone. That's what you're looking for. Don't ever settle for an average life. Please don't. There is something about you that only you can do. You were designed, destined, and created, and placed on this earth to do that thing. Yeah, but can't somebody else do it? Not the way you can. If God asks you to do it, and what, what anybody else can only do is copy you. You're the original. They need to be their original. Do you hear me? And if they have to do stuff you're meant to be doing, then they're not going to fulfill their calling because they're too busy making up for you not doing what you're doing and trying to do what they're doing. Are you all with me? Amen? That's why we need to know our place in Christ. We need to know our place in what God has designed and destined in His plan for this earth because there's not one person here that is extra. You know in movies we have extras? In God's plan there is no such thing. 
<laughs> okay? You are not an extra on, on his set. You are the main person. I was going to say main man, but you know. Okay? You are the main person. Okay? You are the star of, the, of your show. The thing that God has called you to do. Amen. And you may interact with some of the other stars. That's us. Okay? <laughs> and we're all doing what we're called to do. And moving on. Let's move on. Now it's true that the Apostle John is well aware that we live in a fallen world. Can I get amen? Amen. amen. And that it is virtually impossible to live a perfect life that is totally free from all sin. But he is also aware of the new nature that is in us. And what the Apostle Paul brings out in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 18. You know these verses, but I'm going to read them to you anyway. You need to hear them over and over again. Okay, faith comes by hearing. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, are you and anyone? Yes, you are. Okay, you are in Christ. Okay, he says he is a new creation. Now, what is he talking about? This is spiritually speaking. Now, you all know that you didn't suddenly, you know, go from black hair to blonde hair when you got saved. It'd be funny if Wondana went from that to this suddenly. And they go, oh, Sister Wagner, you've changed. That, that, was, that was John too. That was his person. He could never say Wagner. He would always say Wagner. You know? <laughs> you know? And then that caught on. And sorry about that. I, I do it as a little play thing now. Okay. So <laughs> you know? But wouldn't that be strange? I heard go, oh, I don't know this person. Were you somebody else before you got born again? Yes, yes, I was bald. And then, okay. No, no. Now I have hair. No. It doesn't work that way. Okay. It's a spirit. Something on the inside changed. All of this is talking about a spiritual change. Remember, even your mind didn't change. You have to renew your mind, which is what the apostle talks about in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. He talks about giving your body as a living sacrifice and then renewing your mind as well. And that's the only way that we can walk in God's good, acceptable, and perfect will. Remember all that? We don't have time to go into that. But the, the, <laughs> but the thing is that, that you know, the, the, the thing that changed was the inside. The thing that you couldn't change. See, you can change your mind. God knows some people change it too many times. But, you know, you can change your mind and you can work on your body. But the one thing you had no access to was your spirit and your soul. Amen. And that's where, the, that's where God's miracle took place. Saved your soul from hell and gave you a brand new spirit to work with. I mean, that thing is just full of God. You are now temples of God. The places where people would die if they went in there with any kind of sin. You've become that. Do you all get that? That's why you can walk into a... If you went back in time... Not that you can. If, if you went back in time, you could literally walk into the Holy of Holies. You know, the one place that only the priest that was chosen to go in there would be able to go in there. And even then with a, a rope wrapped around his leg, you could literally walk in there and you'll be making a connection from the inside to the outside. You'll be able to actually see what's inside of you if you walked in. And you sit there kind of leaning on the ark. Chris, Chrissy will be twirling her hair. Going, okay. And the priest coming in. Oh, have I got any sin? Am I going to die today? And you're going, hmm. I think I confess my sin just in case I didn't. Let me just hurry up and do that. <laughs> okay? But see, you know why? Because you've got God in you meeting with God on the outside. They didn't have that. They walk in and whack all, they're gone. Oopsies, I kicked the cat. I shouldn't have. I'm dead now. No, okay. No, anyway. Yeah, anyway. All right. 
That's what this lets us know. Isn't this incredible? He says, therefore, if, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. And behold, all things, this is on the inside again, have become new. Now all things are of God. So this is what the Apostle John knew, that when you were born of God, you came into this place. I'm so glad that there were, you know, so many wrote about this because each one came from a different angle. The Apostle Paul comes from the angle of this is what happened to you. Now this is your responsibility. The Apostle John comes from the place of, yes, you have a responsibility, but also understand that God has a big part to play in all of this. Don't exclude him in what you are doing. Don't ever think you're on your own. Just remember everything that he's done. What I want to do today is, in looking at this, I want to look at both of those things. Is that okay? Well, it has to be okay because I'm doing it. All right. <laughs> okay. I, I want to show you our part, and then I want to show you what the Apostle John says God's part is. Because if you can catch this on both sides, then I believe that you'll be uh, better equipped uh, I think that's the best way to put it, okay, to, to live a life that is, I was going to say outrageous, but that is overcoming, <laughs> okay, and, and that is victorious, amen. amen, and that is constantly kicking the devil in the teeth, not the other way around, amen, amen. all right, so <clears throat> I've said here, and it is because all of this is in the spirit realm that the apostle Paul emphasizes living according to the spirit. And so he lets us know, let's, let's go to Romans chapter 8. If you have been watching uh, my Word in Season, I've been doing a bit of study on Romans uh, and this particular chapter. Uh, I, I pray that it blesses you. But back to this, he says again, uh, or, uh, he says in Romans chapter 8 verse 1, this lets us know what our part in all of this is. He says, there is therefore, again Romans 8 1, there is therefore now no condemnation, to those who are in Christ Jesus, now this is your responsibility, who do not walk according to the flesh, but, but according to the Spirit. See, there's no condemnation when you walk after the Spirit. Do you know what walking after the Spirit means? Oh, yes, brother. You, you know, you have all these glory balls, and you float, and you're like speaking like this, and you say, God, and all that. That's weird! Don't come to this church. Anyways, <laughs> no, no, come, come, we'll fix you. But, okay, no, the, <laughs> this isn't talking about that. Walking according to the Spirit is to be spiritually minded. We're going to get to that. Be spiritually minded to, to see everything from a spiritual standpoint. Do you understand? And it also means that whenever you make a mistake, that's where you know spiritually you need to cleanse yourself. You need the blood of Jesus Christ to wash you. That's why you go back to 1 John 1, 9. And you confess your sin. It's not a thing that you go, now should I or shouldn't I? It's a thing that you do. Are you all with me? That, that's what it means to walk in the Spirit. Do you all get me now? Okay. Because when you do, there's no condemnation. The devil comes and says, now remember the mistake you made? You go, well, God doesn't remember, so I refuse to. I've been delivered from that in the name of Jesus. See, if he can remind you and get you thinking about it, he can lead you back into it. Listen. There is a real key here. I've said this before. Let me say it again in, in this context now. Whenever you get a thought, rebuke the thought. Don't sit there and go, hmm. Don't do that. Don't hmm. There shouldn't even be an H in front of that. Okay? I mean, it, should not even, it shouldn't even get to that first syllable. You should just go, no. I rebuke it in Jesus' name. You know when you do that, the thing disappears. You don't think about it anymore. No thought, no temptation. No temptation, 
No sin. No sin, no access to the devil. No access to the devil puts you in a place where you can always, always win. Things to think about. Okay, back to this. So notice, first of all, our part is not to walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. That's where you live a sin-free and a condemnation-free life, which is fantastic. Can I say that? Okay. Half the population is walking around with some kind of condemnation on them, some kind of regret, something that is just being held over them that doesn't allow them to smile and have a joy of the Lord in their heart. Do you understand what I'm saying? Amen. I don't have time for that. Let's move on. Uh, Following this, uh, he goes in to tell us where to direct our thought life. In verse 6, when he says, I'm just jumping, okay, through scriptures. You should read the whole of Romans 8. It's incredible. He goes and says in verse 6, he says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So he tells us, now this is another thing. As far as your mind is concerned, you need to be spiritually minded, not carnally minded. When you're carnally minded, that means your mind is fleshly orientated. It's orientated to this physical realm. You know, and I don't mean in a, let me just clarify here. Eating the right foods, exercising, all of that is good. I'm not talking about that stuff. I'm talking about the stuff that we all know is not good. Do I need to go to the list? No, because I don't want to pull anybody's file. All right? (laughs) All right? The things that we all know in the natural we should not be doing, that's what he's talking about here when he says to be kindly minded. He does not mean, you know, oh, forget about it. Eat 600 donuts and just pray that the fat goes away or something. Yeah. Buy new clothes. Because suddenly things are going to not fit. Anyway, okay? Listen, (laughs) okay? He's saying again, we need to change our mindset from, uh, you know, this is what everybody says is going to happen. This is the tragedy that's coming. You know, there's no way around it, blah, 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 to know with God all things are possible. God will never leave me nor forsake me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me and so on and so forth. To be carnally minded, you put yourself in a place where God can't do anything for you because you won't let him. Because you're running around wringing your hands and going, you know, I know all that stuff is good, but we have to be real about this. And you're going to die now with your accent. No. <laughs> okay, all right. No, you can't think that way. What's real? This, all of this stuff what, that the devil tries to tell us is real is actually an offshoot of something more real that's in the spirit that you have access to and that you have command over. Wow. Do you get that? That's why you can speak things and change stuff down here. Jesus said, you see, you know, even if you look at a literal, not figurative, a literal mountain, and the thing is in your way. He said, if you speak to it, what do you do when you speak to it? You are, you are accessing another realm that created this realm and saying, this realm is saying, ha, this is impossible. And you're saying, yeah. In this realm, it is impossible, but where you came from, (laughs) what made you, I can access that and I can take you out. The same thing that made you, I can use to change you. And it's not down here, it's up there. That's reality. For to be spiritually minded 
is life and peace. To be calmly minded is to be surrounded by mountains. <laughs> okay? All right. Moving on. And finally, he brings out how all this affects us naturally by saying in verse 11. Let's just jump to verse 11. Like I said, read, read all those verses in Romans 8. He says, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, and he does. Can I get an amen on that? Okay. It says, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Isn't that incredible? Not only do you receive life and peace when you set your mind on the things of the spirit, but you also receive life for your body. A natural life comes into play. Amen? See, there are different kinds of life. Do you know you can be full of life and healthy down here in the natural and still be depressed in your brain? Have no life up there. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Amen? What this is showing us is we can have life in every area of our life. <laughs> I'm sorry, I have to repeat that. But do you understand what I'm trying to say? So that you are mentally sharp and you are alive in the mind and you are also strong and, and full of life in your body. Somebody asks you to do something, your answers are yes and amen. <laughs> okay? Not I'll see if I'm up to it on that. No, okay? No, it's never that. You're just bursting to go do something. Of course, don't just go do stuff for the sake of doing stuff, all right? And you need to be... Which <laughs> Let's go on to the next one. <laughs> so, <laughs> so <laughs> hold the thought. So what we see here is one of the keys to living free from sin is to live in the Spirit and by the Spirit. And why the Apostle Paul now goes and says in Romans uh, uh, 8.14. We need to remember this one, okay? Where he says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. Like I said, don't go do everything just because you can do it. Amen. You need to be led by the Spirit. Amen. But as you are led by the Spirit, you need to be in the place where you can go do that. Yeah. Nothing in you is holding you back or holding you down. There's no condemnation. There's no lack of life. There's no depression. There's nothing like that. And your body isn't, you know, uh, struggling and having problems. I, you know, we all do. I, I get that. But it's a funny thing as you obey God how things begin to change on the inside of you. Who he calls, he equips. Can I say he anoints? Amen. Oh, you need to take that first step. Hallelujah. I've run out of time and I'm nowhere close to finishing. All right. <laughs> if I continue on, I'm down to about two minutes, one minute, something like that. One minute. Okay. Can we leave it here? Because I'm going to return to First John 5.18 and we're going to go on to something else. And I don't want to do that now because we're, no, we're not going to get through it. I'm so sorry. Um, so let's stop here. I pray that you're getting something out of this, that you're beginning to understand not just what the Apostle John, what, what, what we're going to see, excuse me, <laughs> what we're going to see, my mouth is talking faster than my brain, or the other way around. I don't know. There's a problem there. Uh, <laughs> what, what we're going to see in the next section <laughs> is what God's part in all of this is. I have shown you our part. What we're going to look at next is God's part. What has he done? How is he keeping us safe? What is he doing on his side that assures us that regardless of what we're going through, because we're born of God, because we're in his family, because he's our daddy, that he, was, he is going to do everything that he knows to do and that he can do to look after us. See, that's the reason why we never get out of faith and we never stop trusting him. Because regardless of what trouble we get into, daddy is still there. He is not going to cast us out. So don't let the devil deceive you into thinking that. 
I, it, I, I'll finish with this. It's, it's kind of like a, the, the picture of, you know, this kid, the, uh, they were playing this game, these adults were playing this game, and, and uh, the kid and the father go uh, to register in a motel or something, and you know how kids, they wander off. And while the father's registering, the kid wanders off and goes and sees this thing and starts to stick his finger in the thing and, and, and ruining, <laughs> you know, wrecking everything they're doing. And so this, you know, this guy raises his voice and tells the kid off. The father comes pushes the kid behind him and says, you got something to say to him, you say it to me. And the guy goes, oh, no, it's okay, That's, don't worry about it. Took the kid aside and said, what is wrong with you? <laughs> Stop putting your finger in everything. See, now, I want to show you something with that. God never let the devil discipline you. He goes, you talking to my kid? Yeah, but you don't know how to shut up. This is my child. Yes, sir, okay. <laughs> okay. Of course, he'll take you back and go, what is wrong with you? Hurry up and repent. Don't do it again. Mm -hmm. I won't do it again, okay? See, that's the difference. You need to get that. Amen. Do you hear me? Yeah. I'm going to leave. We'll, we'll pick up on that next week. Let's have every head bowed, every closed. Oh, dear Lord. Okay, thank you, Lord. Well, Father, we just thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your word. And we thank you, Father, for all the wisdom, the revelation, and the insight that we're receiving. Hallelujah. I thank you, Father. That this gospel has been just life to us. It has been incredible in its revelation. And as we're bringing it to a close, Father, we just thank you that we do not forget anything that we've learned. We once again thank the Apostle John for writing all of this down. He could have taken all of this to the grave, but he wrote it down. So that we could follow in his footsteps as he followed Christ. Hallelujah. And that's ultimately what we want to do, Lord, is to follow you, become more like you. Hallelujah. And we just thank you for this revelation and for all that you do in our life. In Jesus' name, in your name we pray, Lord. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. Amen.